Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, Justin or Steve. This is Leo calling from Maui, Hawaii. I'm calling to get some insights on your approach on rebalancing and management of your portfolio. And provides unbiased answers. This is a great question, and it is a difficult question. And I'll, I'll kind of explain how we do it for our different strategies for our clients. Invest Talk, over 31 million downloads and counting. I'm interested in the stock called Kala Pharmaceuticals. K-A-L-A is the ticker. Thank you. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our April 22nd, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in this hour. Interesting day in the markets, and I'm going to get to a little update here in a minute, but I want to remind you that as we go along in this show, I'm going to continue, as always, to operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and sharing success. Meaning we want to come along, bring, bring you along with us in, in our success. And we do it in different ways than what you'll see in most mainstream finance shows. You know, this is not Kramer. I'm not going to bang any bells or whistles. I'm here to give you the facts as I see them. And I'm going to present them all without bias, uh, whether I'm talking about a market, the market as a whole, individual sectors, individual stocks, personal finance, rules, suggestions, etc. I'm going to do this using my 20 years of investment experience and with the facts that I see in front of me. Now, I'm Justin Klein. Of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape the show to your liking, which means you can interact with us right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or you can leave a question anytime in our Invest Talk Voice Bank, which, as always, is 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, Steve and Justin. I'm calling about Green Thumb Industries, simple G-T-B-I-F. All right. That was pretty straightforward. Green Thumb Industries, this is uh, obviously in the cannabis space, and it is part of uh, an industry that over the past few months or so has been really on uh, on its heels, um, really since, let's see, when did uh, MSOS, which is the Multi-State Operator Cannabis ETF, that peaked in early February at about $56 a share. Now we're at $39 a share. So down roughly 30% or so over the past, call it two months, a little over two months. And one thing I'll say is this is a space that is going to be the, is the wild, wild west still. Uh, and will continue to be, especially until full legalization. Now there's, different things to consider if there is full legalization or at least decriminalization. Uh, there are some bills 
going through Congress to make banking within the sector a lot easier, lowering the cost of capital within the in the sector, which is a big part of the valuation. The cost of capital for a business, especially a business, a public business, is extremely important. Extremely important to the valuation of the company, to the financials, both near-term and long-term. And so if these businesses can gain some banking rights and ability to borrow from banks at much lower rates, that's going to help the industry as a whole. Now, I do think there's a bit of buy the rumor, sell the news over the past couple of months that you're seeing here. And I will say about Green Thumb Industries itself, it operates in more, it operates 50, more than 50 cannabis stores in 12 states. So I like that it has a bit of a broad reach across multi-states, so it knows the rules and regulations in a dozen states, and all are different, all have uh, their own intricacies. And what I will say about this name is that it has pulled back in a controlled manner, like the industry uh, or the sector as a whole. So GTBIF is the symbol for everyone else out there. And this pullback has been controlled, it's been steady, the chart looks perfectly fine, uh, but it's a $6 billion valuation. And is this going to be one of the winners in the space? It's extremely hard to tell, but uh, if from what we've seen so far, it does look like the better, one of the better ones, but understand, still extremely high risk. What happens if the Philip Morrises of the world come in and compete and utilize their lobbying power, utilize their low cost of capital, utilize their distribution network to edge into this space? How will names like Green Thumb compete? Always something to think about. Now, why are, here, why are we here today? Why am I doing this podcast? Well, I know that your successful financial future requires that you are invested according to your risk tolerance, according to your ultimate goals. And in order to do all of that, you need the right information and you need effective strategies to deal with a market that is evolving, that is rotating. And with that brings a lot of uncertainty, especially for those that are relatively new investors, haven't seen a market where value stocks done better, have done better than growth stocks. They haven't seen that since 2000, you know, the, the period in the early 2000s. So I'm ready to take your calls on our Invest Talk Anytime Listener Line at 8899 chart. So I want to hear from you. Now let's check out on the market today. We had a down day, although late in the day we had a bit of a rally. And it was really on the back, uh, at least the, the, uh, the fall, midday, was on the back of a report that President Biden is proposing a, I think it was a 43.6% capital gains tax uh, on the highest income tax bracket level. So I believe right now that would be 20%, so more than doubling it. And this certainly was not bullish for the market as a whole. So... The big question on the market's minds, which it's kind of sh it's kind of odd that market sold off the way it did. Although you could argue it was a fairly minor sell-off, and small caps were down half a percent. The S and P down 38 points, less than one percent. 
The NASDAQ as a whole down 131 points, also less than 1%. So it's a very minor sell-off here. Now what will happen ultimately is likely there will be some compromise. Tax rates will probably go up on capital gains for the highest tax bracket. Will it get into the 40s? Probably not. 30s possibly. Maybe it's 25, maybe it's 28, maybe it's 30. We shall see. I think this is the start of more of a negotiation. Uh, in fact, this is just a rumor. It's nothing that the administration has actually put out on paper. So that's really what the market was reacting to today. So uh, this will be start to become top of mind. Uh, nobody's really been talking about it for a while, but it's certainly something there. I think there will be a lot more talk about over the coming balance of the year, really until there's a little more concrete detail around the proposal coming out of the White House and will ultimately be passed in Congress. Because, remember, the White House, it's only one branch of government. The most important branch of government is the House and the Senate, Congress. And so what they start to look at to pass is going to be far more important than what the Biden administration is proposing. So just a, a quick touch on that. And then the next most important story up was crypto. Uh, Bitcoin is now down to, let's see where we're at, the very current moment. It looks like, let's see, yeah, 52,000 uh, Bitcoin. And Ethereum is, is up a bit over the last day. I'm going to make a bold call here. I think by the end of 2022... Ethereum will have a larger market cap than Bitcoin. I believe that. I believe that the use cases for Ethereum are evolving much, much faster than Bitcoin. And it doesn't mean both have to go up either. Both could go down over that time, just Ethereum maybe down less. Ethereum's market cap right now is about $300 billion. Bitcoin is about trillion. So, just... What am I feeling? I'm feeling Ethereum gaining momentum, Bitcoin having a little, little uh, deceleration, especially with um, Turkey banning transactions, Bitcoin, etc. So, I'm Justin Klein. This is Invest Talk. The task of building your for financial freedom requires dedication and the right information. So that's why I'm here. I'm here to help you. So give me a call. I'm taking your calls live at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Set up to Northern California and talk with Owen. He's looking at Cherry Hill Mortgage Investment Corp. Uh, yeah, I have a small position, and uh, recently I was thinking about adding to that position, mainly for the dividend, but I, um, when I bought, it was on quite a pullback. I was thinking of waiting for another pullback, but I've looked at their fundamentals several times, and I just, I have really mixed feelings about it, because they're not so profitable, and 
that dividend, I feel like, is just eating away at their cash. So I'm just wondering what you think about this company. Well, I think you need to listen to your instinct here. Listen to your gut. Uh, if you are wishy-washy on the fundamentals, uh, if you aren't fully understanding of the business and the long-term prospects of the business, uh, then I think you need to move on to something else. One thing I've learned in this, in this business is there are thousands of different options. Thousands. So if you aren't clear on the business prospects, uh, you, and, you're, and you're tying yourself simply to something like a dividend, and that's your investment thesis, I think it means that you don't know enough and you aren't comfortable enough uh, holding long-term. And when you will get volatility, you're going to sell at probably an inopportune time. Okay. And you are correct about the fundamentals of the business. This is a company that had 2 million shares outstanding in 2013 and now has 17 million shares outstanding. They were paying $2.03 a share in dividend uh, in, in dividends in 2014, and now they're paying a dollar twenty-one, and one of the reasons is because they've been issuing so many new shares, so they can't pay as much. Their earnings and their revenues uh, have been struggling for some time, and frankly, their execution of their strategy has been relatively poor. Now, I will say they are in the business. This is for everyone else out there. The reason they're paying a nice 11.2%, 11.5% dividend is because it's a mortgage REIT. I said this before. Mortgage REITs are inherently risky. You're borrowing short. You're effectively lending long by buying mortgage-backed securities. And the good thing about this one is that it's kind of a pure play. It's only buying residential mortgage-backed securities. That's its main uh, revenue source. It does have investments in servicing-related assets as well, which does com complicate it a bit, uh, and those have become pretty expensive. And the fact that uh, they actually had negative sales during 12 months tells me that that services business became a problem. Okay, uh, and there's—I don't have time to go into the details of that, but uh, when so many people went to forbearance, that became a problem for mortgage servicers. So I'm going to say, you've answered your own question. You're not comfortable enough to, to know what, and uh, understand the fundamentals and have comfort with the fundamentals. And so you need to sell it and move on to something you understand better and don't get enamored with just the dividend. Thanks for the call, Owen. Now my focus point today concerns this story. Yelp data shows more than one half million new businesses opened in the past year. I'll look into that story. But now we're heading into a break. My phone lines are open now at 888-99-CHART. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations. You've found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk listener line. 
888-99-CHART. Eight ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's go to our next caller in Minnesota and talk with David. He's looking at EOG Resources. Yeah, I bought this back. Um, I'm up about up about seventy percent on it, and I would like to add to my position because I just put a small position in, and I'm just wondering what a good buying price would be. Okay, well, a lot's going to depend on where oil prices go for everyone else out there. EOG Resources is one of the largest producers of shale oil and natural gas, and they have assets in the Permian Basin, Eagle Ford, and the Bakken, and has a net proof reserves of 3.2 billion barrel equivalents of oil, and about 72% of their production is in oil, 28% natural gas, so they're they're heavily reliant on oil prices, a little bit more than natural gas, but certainly uh, it's important to them. The big question is, where is that support level? I would say, let me take a look here. I'm just, this is more of a, from a chart perspective because I, I like EOG. It's, uh, it's up there with one of my favorites, but it's probably not the favorite in the space, but we like it. Uh, $60 is a big, big support level. We're at 68 now. 65 will be some support. But I would say 60 is probably the biggest support. So um, right around that 100-day moving average between 60 and 100-day, and which is around 62, that's kind of the, the area that I would be uh, more aggressive in picking up more shares of EOG. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today concerns the story. Yelp data shows more than one-half million new businesses opened in the past year. And it's always interesting to see these reports from these tech companies because guess what? They have a lot of data. And according to Yelp, more than 500,000 new businesses opened across the U.S. in the past year. And that might sound like a lot, a lot but that still is down about 11% year over year. So this is from April 1st to March 31st. So April 1st last year to March 31st of this year. 28% of that 516,000 was the exact total. 28% uh, opened in the first three months of 2021. That's down 2% from a year earlier in the first quarter of 2020. So you're seeing for the full year, it's 11, down 11%, but only down 2% over the first quarter. So it's improving. So that's a good thing. What's even more important Encouraging is that 69,000 new restaurants and food businesses opened in the last year. That's still down 14% from the prior year. But if you look at reopenings, that was nearly 258,000 businesses. And 50,000 of them were here in the first quarter. And that's the highest level since last summer. Now, the types of businesses that reopened were ones that you would expect. Bars, coffee shops, breakfast spots, brunch spots, etc. And that's an even better thing. Now, real estate and home improvement trends continue to look good as well. Yelp data shows that 90% 90, 90 increase in interest in real estate brokers and 10% or 100% interest, excuse me, in junk removal services. Hey, I want to get rid of my stuff. 
I'm going to move. Handyman services were up, electricians were up. So you can see with this data that businesses are reopening, the economy is reopening, and that's certainly uh, a great thing. And it's also going to drive inflation as those businesses remodel, uh, Get, try to get people back to work, you know, give people new jobs. Uh, that's going to be a positive as well. Um, and so a very interesting stat to, to follow because this is, I'll say real time, but somewhat real time. And that's encouraging. Now let's try to squeeze in another caller question before the break that came in earlier at 888 99 chart. I'm interested in the stock called Kala Pharmaceuticals. K-A-L-A is the ticker. Thank you. Kala Pharmaceuticals. It develops and commercializes therapeutics for the treatment of eye diseases. Now, this is your standard biotech name. Doesn't earn money. It's very minimal revenue. In fact, last quarter only did $2.2 million in revenue. Up 90% year over year. But still, $2.2 million in revenue. And a market cap of this name of $473 million. It's a lot. <laughs> Price of sales is astronomical. Now, my big question is why is this, why is revenue up so dramatically over the last two quarters? That would be my main, main question. And when are they going to turn cash flow positive so they aren't continuing to issue more shares, burn capital, etc.? 2017, they had 11 million shares outstanding. Now they have 52 million shares outstanding. Quadrupled it in just a span of three, four years. Why? Because they're burning capital. These aren't names that we own. Uh, nothing that get me excited. Unless there's a real understanding of their business that it's going to turn into something that is uh, multi hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue annually. And until then, I'm passing on it. On the next invest talk, the SEC is cracking down on the SPAC, tra uh, SPAC trans transactions. That story tomorrow. Give me a call at 888 chart From sunrise to sunset. Have a question about gold and silver. From dusk till dawn. So I'm wondering what y'all think. The questions keep coming. I have a question about symbol STLD. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Hello, uh, Steve Justin uh, Milani here from Bay Area. This is Curtis from Alabama. Hi, Steve. This is Gary from Massachusetts. Invest Talk listeners have one objective financial freedom. Your opinion on Costco. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. I have started investing. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really enjoy the podcast. I think I'm finally starting to understand the, the language and, and what to look for. Thank you very much. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. 
There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI Red Teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C K-E-R-O-N-E dot com, HackerOne.com. It's been another Investor Thursday, and we've all seen the market move up, down, and all around. It's called volatility, and you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin or Steve. This is Leo calling from Maui, Hawaii. I'm calling to get some insights on your approach on rebalancing and management of your portfolio. For example, I acquired Sprouts Farmers Market in October upon hearing your thoughts on the stock and doing my own research. I still like the company, and now the stock has run up about 40%, and I still like it for the long term. I wanted to get your thoughts on how periodically you should review your holdings to determine if you need to rebalance and what specific fundamentals you look at to see if you should be selling or adding more. I have a spreadsheet I use to analyze the stock and the fair value using different fundamentals such as Lynch Graham models, but it would be pretty time consuming to do this for my entire portfolio weekly. So I just wanted to say to hear your feedback on how often I should perform this analysis and if there is a quicker way to look at your portfolio to see if you should start exiting some winning stock. Thanks again for all the knowledge you share. Okay, well, this is great question and it is a difficult question how and when to sell winners uh, and 
what you have to go back to are your first principles of your portfolio and the management. And I'll, I'll kind of explain how we do it uh, for our different strategies for our clients. So we use a top-down approach and a bottom-up. So when I say top-down, I mean looking at the underlying economy. Where is inflation going? Where is the growth of the economy going? And what type of companies typically do well in that environment? For example, when interest rates are going up and the dollar is going down and uh, the economy is doing well, there are certain sectors that don't do well. And there's others that do well. I'll use examples of each. In that, in that scenario, which we're in now, utilities tend to underperform. So, for us, we want to be relatively underweight. doesn't mean you get rid of them all. It just means that you maybe limit yourself to exposure to one or two, as opposed to three or four or five. In this environment, utility—excuse me industrials tend to do well. In a growing economy, higher inflation, weaker dollar. And that means you're overweight that sector. You might own five, four, five, six different names. Okay. And you do that for every different sector. Some are equal weight, some are a bit underweight, some are very underweight, some are very overweight, etc. Then you look, so that's where you start. What does your asset allocation look like from a sector standpoint? And then you do a bottom up. Look at the industries, sectors, and say, which are my favorites based on valuation, based on uh, maybe some catalyst around the business, around the sector, etc. Maybe some trends within the particular sector that you want to be a part of. And you rank those. And if you have a name that you currently own, that's part of that. Does it remain in your top two, three, four, five in that particular sec sector? Has it gone up, maybe? because of some fundamentals about the business, or maybe the fundamentals remain the same, but the stock rallied 20%, and nothing really changed much about the business. Well, relatively, that's less attractive. doesn't mean it's not in your top three or four, but maybe it moved from two to four. And maybe you're underweight, that particular sector, and you only want three names. Well, you cut it. It's gone. It's the fourth favorite. I only want the, own the top three. And that's how we do it. And maybe it's just rebalancing it. Maybe it's still in your top three. But you want to be equal weight. You want to be third, third, third. And <clears throat> it's too high a percentage and you just cut it. That's usually the first step is cutting it back. Especially ones that have done well. Maybe a higher percentage of your portfolio. And you want to take a bit of profits and bring it back down to a reasonable allocation in your portfolio. So I hope that helped a bit to understand how to think about it, at least how we think about it. And that's what I might recommend for you as well. This is Invest Talk. Now let's pivot from Hawaii to Texas for another listener question. Hey, guys. Loving the show. Dave from Austin, Texas. Call me about Away. It's ETFMG Travel Tech and ETF Investing in Travel Names. You can see from their holdings, it's a booking agencies and rideshare companies. Uh, I like the fact that it's not in a lot of airlines because I feel like airlines are a little overvalued right now. The price to sales ratio seems a bit high to me and the management fee, which were a little lower, but I'm wondering if you think this is a good play given the hopes of a revival. All right. Thanks for your help. 
Oh, yeah, the expense ratio is 0.75%, which is a bit high for an ETF, I will say that. Now, this is the ETFMG Travel Tech ETF, and as uh, the caller said, it owns a lot of a lot of names in the online travel business. Expedia is its top holdings, Booking, Uber, uh, Tong Chen Elong, which sounds like a Chinese name, uh, Airbnb, Despegar.com, no, I haven't heard that one, Sabre, Lyft, Travel Advisor, and Trip.com. Those are, those are our top 10 holdings. Some of those I like, some of those not so much. Uh, I probably actually like the top two the most out of all of those. So that's good that it's weighted towards some of the better names within the industry. The issue here is that most of these, a lot of these, the Ubers of the world, the Lyfts of the world, uh, and some of the ones more down the list have pretty high, sky high valuations. And so that would worry me a bit. This is now in a downtrend. It's testing its 100-day moving average. That would worry me a lot as well. Uh, so it's a name that is interesting to me, but I think you've kind of had this recovery in most of these names. You just look at the history of this. It's only been around for since, let's see. So it came out at the worst time, right? February last year. That's crazy. Yeah, it went from 26 and change all the way down to 11 and change, and now it's at about $30 a share. So the question is, is the travel industry better? Industry better than it was pre-pandemic? Probably not. So I'm going to pass on it at these levels. Uh, but you get more reasonable valuations. I, I wouldn't mind it, but it is a bit expensive for an ETF. Now let's keep things going. Our next question will make it three in a row. This came in earlier on 888.99 chart. Yeah, hi, this is John from Durham. I just had a comment and a question about Fibonacci retracements. My comment is that for other listeners, it's fairly hard to find a free service where you can use or you can utilize that as a tool. But I think you can for free using a site called TradingView. And then my question is, when you're doing a Fibonacci retracement, should you use the top and bottom of the, like for a candlestick pattern, do you use the top high and then the bottom low for the given candlestick, or do you use the close, the top or bottom, And when in terms of like the wick or the candle, I guess I should say. So that was my question, and I'll listen to it on the podcast. Thanks. All right. The answer is you use the the top and bottom of the wicks. Uh, so if you're, you use the bottom tick price and the top tick price, not the close. So understand that there are some great tools. Let me see if, does it have it? Look, I thought it was on stockcharts.com if I remember correctly. I don't see it here though. Yeah, I think if you annotate on stock charts, let's see, yep. Yeah, if you, Go to stockcharts.com and you annotate the chart, you can do a Fibonacci uh, retracement. So it only gives you 382, 5.0, and 618. It doesn't give you 2.5 or 7.5, so I uh, wish it did, but it doesn't seem to there. Uh, but that's free. So you know, there, there, are, there are tools. Nothing is often as good as when you purchase it, you know, we use eSignal for our charting software. It's uh, very robust, also very expensive. So it's up to you how much you want to spend on these type of tools, but there are some, some decent tools 
out there. But, but great question, and glad you're getting into some charting. Now, 2021 is well underway, and we're already past the halfway point of April. Can you believe that? And we are seeing changes in the market that are underway that uh, I think in the back half of the year are going to be a little more challenging, to say that. And the big question is, are you prepared to handle these circumstances? And if you're not, or you don't feel comfortable, I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve at our company, KPP Financial. And we operate in Orange County, which is in Southern California, if you're not familiar. And let me remind you that here at Invest Talk and at KPP, we operate the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, which means on and off air, we provide unbiased guidance, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our offer to provide a free portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or go to meetings. Send us a message through investtalk.com. Or you can call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. And after speaking with us for just a few minutes, maybe we can help you. No obligation. We'd love to talk and see how we can guide you to a better financial future. Now next up, we have a stock question and we'll play it in one minute. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the InvestTalk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. The first segment of the Rapid Fire Hour is hosted by Justin Klein, and Steve Peasley handles the second half. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hello, this is Jeremy Denny calling in. I've got a question about Dermtech Incorporated, trading code DMTK. I am just really looking for an opinion from someone smarter than me. So I look forward to listening to your next show, and hopefully I will catch an opinion on that. Thank you. All right. Well, this is one of those... I don't want to say rare instances because that'll get me in trouble. But uh, my girlfriend is a dermatologist, and this is right up her alley. So this is actually a better question for her. But this is uh, Dermtech Inc. develops and markets medicines for early detection of skin cancer and inflammatory diseases. So when it comes to skin cancer, she would be the expert in that field. And I believe she's. She's talking about something like this in, in the past, um, and she was fairly skeptical from what I remember, but uh, I, I don't remember if it was this company uh, in general. But DMTK, this has exploded in the month of December from a share price of about $12 all the way up to $80 in February. Now we're back down to $38 a share. So it's a pretty wild name, has always lost money, and still loses money, does just like that biotech earlier, 2.1 million in revenue last quarter, and this one even has a higher valuation, billion dollars, almost 1.1 billion. Loses money, once again, 
2 million shares outstanding in 2018, now 17 million shares outstanding, just burning money to develop uh, this drug. So this, when, remember, when it comes to these biotechs, it's, it's really about the, the drug that they're developing and the market for that particular drug. And unless you know a lot about the space, about the particular technology, the potential use cases for that technology, is it broad, is it narrow? Are they able to turn this drug into something that is economically worthwhile? That's another question. So really, you, in these names, you have to dig into that and really, really understand the science, really understand the technology. And without that, you're flying blind because it's difficult to look backwards because they don't have a product. So until they have the final product, it's fully approved out there in the marketplace. It's hard to give this a great thumbs up or thumbs down. And so if, when I, I don't understand it, when I don't have confidence in it, I'm going to pass. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Noel in Napa looking at TGB, which looks like Tosico Mines. This is a gold miner. Uh, hi, Justin. Uh, TGB, uh, Tosico. It's okay. a Canadian... Uh, Copper miner. Uh, it seems like it's undervalued, but your data maybe uh, says differently. But uh, uh, historically, it seems the price of the of of uh, TGB uh, tends to follow the price of copper. So it seems like it's uh, below uh, what it usually is price-wise. So just wondering what your thoughts are. Okay, yeah, let me look at this. Uh, it does look more like a copper mine. That's for the primary business. And they have mines in British Columbia and Arizona, looks like. Very small company, about $510 million market cap, only does $87 million in sales last quarter. It is up into some pretty big resistance, so that worries me a bit. Let me look at the cash flows of the business historically, because historically the stock price has just bounced around in a fairly broad range from really pennies all the way up to $6 back in 2011, now at $1.81. $41 million in free cash flow last quarter, that's positive on... $510 million market cap. I'm bullish on the on the price of copper. So I would say this is a risky name, but I kind of like it. I like the cash flows. Uh, debt seems reasonable. And I like copper producers. So uh, it would be a high-risk copper producer, but I'm giving it a thumbs up. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we're heading into our final break. So give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. Look at the calendar. We're already moving through the second quarter. The market has been interesting, and serious investors need to bring their best game. Invest Talk is here to help. The phone lines are open. 888 99 Chart. And when you're done, don't forget to rate and review. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Aubrey calling from Millbrae, California. I'm a longtime listener and huge fan of you guys. My question is about the healthcare sector. I've owned the ETF BHT, the Vanguard one, 
for a number of years. And it just seems to me the healthcare sector is kind of lagging a little, which is counterintuitive to me because of all that's going on with, you know, the epidemic. And I just was curious of your thoughts why healthcare doesn't seem like it's performing as great as at least I think it should. And what your thoughts are going forward with healthcare and in that sector. I look forward to listening to you guys answer and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks. Bye. Great question, especially following the allocation question that I answered earlier. And remember when I said there are certain sectors that kind of lag when the dollar's going down, interests are going up, when uh, the economy's doing well. And I said utilities, one example. Well, guess what? Healthcare is another example. Tends to lag the overall market. When we say lag, doesn't mean it has to do terribly, just kind of lags. Well, there are a couple reasons for that. And the big reason is similar to utilities. When I say utilities are a bond proxy, well, a lot of the names within the healthcare space also pay big dividends. They also have debt in their balance sheet. And they don't tend to benefit quite as much from a strong economy versus a, 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 an industrial company, for example. And so that's why you've seen the healthcare sector rat, lag recently, really for most of this year. Still up, not as up as, as much as the market. So that's the recent lag. Now, longer term, you have to ask yourself a few questions about exposure to the space, is what's going to happen with regulation? Think in this new environment where... Governments are becoming more proactive in stimulating the economy and having their uh, say in regulation. What's going to happen with potentially Medicare for all? Biden is behind a single-payer program. Or sorry, not single-payer. A public option program. And what will that do to medical prices, drug prices? President Trump was focused on that too during his time and drug prices didn't really have too much effect but I think governments are certainly going to push on drug prices going up over the years so I think that's probably the biggest risk longer term in the space now we're coming down to the wire almost at the end but I can fit in one more question this one came in earlier on 888.99 chart hi this is Gilbert from Ohio, California long time listener had a quick question on changing investment apps do I cash out one to put into a new investment app, or should I just let it ride, leave it alone, and start a new app and start from scratch? like to know your thoughts on it. Thank you very much. It's hard for me to say without understanding your particular goals, what you, how much money you have, are you investing in IRAs, are you using it mainly for savings, like a, a savings or when you round up and um, purchases, things like that. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I need a little more details. That what I will say is, I always try to keep it simple and, and using one particular broker. And you, you, you referred to it as an app, and I'm assuming you're talking about like a Robinhood uh, versus maybe a an Acorn or something like that. I always say try to consolidate into one particular broker that serves your needs the most. Now, maybe that need is low cost. 
Maybe that need is ease of use. Maybe that need is research. Maybe you want a little bit of everything and trying to find the, the right blend. But I would say is transfer whatever you have, at the, the old app, maybe it's a Robinhood, to whatever that new app is. And once again, I would refer that, to that as a broker more than an app because it's what it is. <laughs> you want full service. And over time, you're going to want more than just an app. But great question. Glad you're thinking about it and trying to find the best one for you. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I listen for, listen, thank you for listening. And we encourage you to download our podcast, our previous podcast, over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And tell your friends and family members about all of our podcast downloads, which we upload each weekday at the end of our live stream program at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Independent thinking, shared success. This is the best talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. <laughs>